0: I'm Pastor Ken with Faith Dialogue here in Celebration, Florida. We are in the middle of a sermon series that's called Unstoppable. It's based on the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have the Acts of the Apostles, which was written about the journey of the early church, written by Dr. Luke. So as you may remember, last week, we started a a brand new chapter, chapter 22, and we'll be in that chapter again today, and we'll finish the chapter. Last week, our sermon was called Paul's Defense. And as you recall, Paul had an angry mob uh, that basically chased him out of the temple. Uh, They found out that Paul was in there. They accused Paul of uh, uh, disrespecting Moses, telling the people not to be circumcised, their children, and the temple as well, and they were ready to, to kill Paul so a roman commander came and rescued paul he arrested him but by arresting him he actually rescued paul and uh, then paul did something quite remarkable Um, while the crowd was still pressing in trying to to kill him and he was under the protection of the the romans paul asked the roman commander if he could speak to the people and the Roman commander allowed him to do it, found out first of all that he wasn't this crazy Egyptian uh, that had an insurrection uh, a year before, uh, but he, was, he could speak Greek and he could speak Hebrew. Um, so the commander allowed Paul to, to speak. Paul told then uh, in his defense, he told of his, his history, that he was a Jew, that he was a Pharisee, he talked of his dark history, how he had persecuted the Christians, the people called the, the Way. Um, as well as being there when when Stephen was stoned. Um, Paul also talked about how God had met him on the road to Damascus, that a bright light had knocked him down and that Jesus had spoken to him. You know, Paul had given this angry crowd, this group of maybe five to 10,000 people, uh, the reasons of uh, his testimony. He spoke to them clearly in their own language so, so that they would understand. And one of the things we said last week was that he gave him his testimony. And it's the same testimony that each of you have. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the same testimony. And that testimony is this. I was just like you until I had an encounter with Jesus. But Jesus met me and my life was dramatically changed. And that was the testimony that, that Paul was giving to the people. And this is our testimony as well. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. I was just like you until I met Jesus. I had a remarkable experience. He changed my life. I was dramatically changed. Then Paul continued and spoke how a a righteous man named Ananias had helped him as well. This is all part of, of Paul's story and it was part of Paul's defense. You know, last week we finished up with a very interesting passage as Paul gave us some new information about a time, about three years after he had been converted, when he came back to Jerusalem and went into the temple and he had this vision, this trance of, of meeting with Jesus. And Jesus spoke to him directly. And, and, and Jesus had two things to tell Paul that I thought were quite interesting. One of them is that the people will not accept your testimony, Paul. Paul? These people, these Jews, will not accept your testimony. And the second was that Paul was being sent to the Gentiles. And we ended there last week. So we'll pick up the reading here in chapter 22 in verse 22. So chapter 22, verse 22. You can open your Bibles there. And the title of my message today is The Last Straw. Verse 22. And they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from this earth. He is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he may know why they shouted so much against him. Again, my, my topic of my message today is called the last straw. The scripture says they listen to him until this word. So there's something that Paul says that, that changes everything. They're going along fine. They're listening to Paul, but then they begin to cry out. Away with this fellow. He's not fit to live. Remember, they had wanted to kill him before, but they were intent on listening to him. They were were okay with listening to him. They calmed, Paul calmed them down when he started speaking to them in Hebrew. He had told them he was one of them, that he was a Pharisee. He respected the laws of Judaism. He had papers from the Sanhedrin. He had persecuted the Christians, the group they called called Jesus the Messiah, uh, the group that the people called the Way. But then something happened. And when the scriptures say they listened to him until this word, it like, means likely that their anger had been building. It wasn't that there was just the word that set them off. They had, this anger was building. There was a number of things that Paul had said that they probably didn't like. A number of times they had been offended by his word. But there were things that, that Paul had said that finally, it was the last straw finally paul had said something that offended them completely they cried out this man isn't fit to live and i love how the scriptures uh describes the actions of this this crazy crowd it says they cried out and they tore off their clothes and they through dust in the air. I don't know if you've done that before, tearing off your clothes or throwing dust in the air because you're, you're un, unfamiliar or you're unaccustomed or uh, you don't like what somebody is saying. So what's happening here? Well, it's explained by scholars that tearing off their clothes is similar to what we see today. You know, there's a fight to break out in a bar. You see a couple of guys that are pushing and shoving and finally, guy steps back, he takes off his coat He loosens his tie, takes off his glasses, maybe takes off his watch, what's happening? He's getting ready to fight. He's he's stripping down. He doesn't want any encumbrance. He wants to be able to really get into the fight and not to be held back by, by heavy clothing. You know, we saw this also with the Jews, the stoning of Stephen. It says that Paul was consenting to his death and the witnesses, meaning the stone throwers, had taken off their cloaks and they laid them at the feet of of Paul. So tearing off their clothes is likely this. It's it's likely the idea that the people are, are getting ready for a fight. Now, some of it could be symbolic. We're not sure. Some of it could be symbolic, that they're taking off their clothes, they're throwing their clothes off, indicating that they're in for the fight. Well, only a few of them were ready to throw rocks, but they're taking off their clothes. Now, the other thing that's interesting is that they're, they're throwing dust, they're throwing dust. Are you familiar with the, the saying ape dust? It, it seems that, uh, that uh, uh, people that understand the bravado of the, of the ape, both male and female, is when they're going through the jungle and they come across something that, that startles them. Maybe it's a lion, maybe it's an animal, maybe it's a, a person, but anyway, maybe it's a, just another ape. And, and they wanna be, they feel like they're challenged, their bravado makes them beat on their chest and they'll jump up and down. I'm not gonna do that in a video. They jump up and down and what they do is they grab dust and they throw it into the air. It's called ape dust. And often we'll find that somebody that has a large bravado that's, that's speaking arrogantly uh, today, even on TV, that they're throwing ape dust. They're really not, uh, they're not doing anything violent. They're just gesturing that they're very upset. They're They're upset. Uh, the other possibility the possibility here is that uh, these were people that were getting ready to throw stones and they're bending down looking for stones to throw at paul and there is no stones all there is is dirt Uh, so they're taking the dirt and they're throwing it into the air it's a that's a possibility some of the scholars say this is likely what's happening is they're finding dirt dirt clumps and they're throwing them into the air So something had set them off. This is the last thing that Paul had said, and this anger was building, and Paul had said something, and this is why we call it the last straw. You know, there's other straws, but ultimately that last straw, it's the straw that's put on the back of a donkey that makes the donkey fail. It's some beast of burden that ultimately creates a, a failure, the last straw that breaks the camel's back as the is said, say, saying is said, it reminds me of a story. Um, I always tell, tell these jokes, and I tell them they, they could be true stories, I'm not sure, but uh, here's how the story goes. There was a, a man, a recent, a, a recent bride and groom, a recent, a recent newlywed, a husband and wife, and he's driving a buggy pulled by a horse. And, and they're traveling along, and the horse suddenly rears up, um, must have seen something on the road, maybe a snake or something like that, and it shakes the entire buggy. Well, the man stops the buggy, gets out of the buggy, walks over to the horse, points right at the horse and says, that's one. Climbs back in the horse and they're off on their way again. The wife is just sitting there saying, I wonder what that is. So he gets back on the buggy, they start off again, but then along the way, uh, the road gets a little bumpy, there's some ruts in the ground, and sure enough, the horse stumbles. And as he stumbles, the entire uh, buggy is is thrown to the left and the right, and they almost fall out. The man stops the buggy, gets out of the buggy, walks up to the horse, points right at the horse's face and says, that's two. Gets back in the buggy, and they're back on the road again. Well, sure enough, they go a little bit further, and all of a sudden, a deer crosses their path. And the man stops, uh, because the, the, the horse rears up again, and stumbles the, bu- the buggy, and the buggy goes back and forth. So man gets out. This is the third time. Walks up to the horse, says, that's three. He pulls out his gun, and he shoots the horse dead. So... The wife gets out of the carriage. They're not going to go anywhere anymore. The wife gets out of the carriage and walks up to the husband and says, What is this? What kind of a man have I married? I mean, I can't believe it. The horse stumbles the first time. You say, that's one. The second time, there's ruts in the ground. He stumbles again. You say, that's two. The third time, there's a deer that crosses the horse's path. He stumbles and rears up a little bit and shakes the carriage. You walk out, say, that's three. And then you shoot the horse. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. The man turns to his wife and looks at her and says, That's one. So, okay, let's go back to the scripture. Let's go back to the scripture. So that's the idea of the last straw. Let's get back. So what was it that Paul had said that created this situation, this uproar? What was the last straw? If that was the last straw, what did Paul say before that? that had gotten the ear up of the, of the Jewish people. Well, you know, Paul had started off great. If you read the chapter, he had, he had told them that he was not anti-Jewish, that he was raised as a Jew, he was just like one of them. And he went after the Christians. Um, he was starting to persecute them. And then Paul gave his testimony. His testimony, I'd said before, it's the same testimony we have. I was just like you until I had this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus dramatically changed my life. Now, that testimony was likely pretty well received by the people of the way, but it probably wasn't too well received by the Jews. They, this idea that Jesus is the Messiah. The believers in the Messiah likely accepted that, but remember, they were still upset with Paul because of what they had been told. They had been told that he had dissed the temple and Moses in circumcision. And, and so this was still under their, under their claw. They were, they were still upset about that. Um... So Paul is speaking to them in Hebrew, and he gives them his testimony. But then here, I believe, is the last straw. It was verse 21, the last verse from the previous week. Paul had been giving his testimony, and Paul was talking about his conversation with the Lord in the temple. And then he said this, verse 21. He said, then Jesus said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Well, that was it. When he said the word Gentiles, that was the last straw. The word is, this word Gentile is more than just a word for a a group of people. It's really a derogatory term. You know, to the Jews, there were only two kinds of people. There were the Jews and then there were the others, the, the Gentiles. Now, the word Gentiles includes all of those that had persecuted Israel, all of their enemies in the past. The Egyptians that had enslaved them, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and now the Romans who had conquered them and were occupying their country. Um, It included also the Samaritans, the people that the early believers went to. It also included the people that Paul went to, the Gentiles in Asia, and in Europe, um, in Macedonia. It included all of these people, the people that Paul was talking to uh, about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were being brought into this faith that they had, but a faith through Jesus, the Messiah. You know, not only had, had Paul taken this message to the Gentiles, but Paul says that he was told to do this by the Lord in the temple, the temple of Jerusalem, the temple that was built by the Jews and for the Jews. It was, of the, it was because of the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that was the, that was the last straw. Uh, the Jews couldn't handle it anymore. So they begin to shout and likely curse. They rip off their outer garments. They they look for stones to throw at Paul. And the Roman commander, who doesn't even know what's going on because he doesn't speak Hebrew, is watching this. And we see that the Paul is getting out of control. He has his soldiers grab Paul again. The scripture says the commander ordered him, that's Paul, to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he may know why they shouted so much against him. That's verse 24. Now, the scourging that's mentioned here in the Bible is, is torture. It's the equivalent of the modern-day torture, whatever the worst form of torture you can think of, whether that's waterboarding or something else. The commander doesn't know what the commotion is. But this is Paul, and he knows that Paul speaks at least three languages. He speaks Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, so he's going to make him talk. By scourging him, he's going to make Paul talk and tell him exactly what it is that Paul did that was so bad that the Jews want to kill him. What, what was it that Paul did that so incensed the crowd? They want to kill him, and the commander would be happy to oblige them, but he wants to know first what's going on. Uh, this torture, by the way, this examine under scourging uh, was, a, was a horrible thing. This is speaking of the Roman phalagrum. Uh, the roman whip it's also called uh to 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 flog the flagrum was a short whip made of two or three leather oxide thongs or ropes um, and they had bone metal or stone embedded into the ends of the whip these bits and pieces of bone, stones, and metal would be would lash the back, and they would literally rip the skin uh, and 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 get into the muscle and cause great damage to the person that was being scourged. Scholars tell us that the flagrum was something that Paul had had never experienced. Scripture tells us that five times Paul received from the Jews. Jewish lashes, but that was different. It was a a leather whip and that's how they basically uh, kept people in line. That's what they often did to their slaves. Uh, Scripture says that three times the Roman had beaten Paul with rods. Now beating a person with rods is similar to what we know today as as caning. It's hitting a person across the back with a, a cane, whether that's a sugar cane or a branch from a tree. However, this Roman form of t- torture, the Roman flagrum, was a cruel, cruel instrument. It was the instrument that was used on, on Jesus prior to his crucifixion. Most often, uh, people that, that, were, that, that came under this form of torture, uh, they were damaged for life. Um, often, they, they bled out long before they could be crucified. The Roman flagrum itself was an instrument of torture and of death. Uh, let's go on, verse 25, and it says, And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. The commander answered, With a large sum I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, But I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him, and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman, and because he had bound him. So we see in these these verses, all of a sudden, there's a, a change of heart. A change of attitude. In the New King James Version, it's translated that Paul is bound with thongs or straps on the, on the wrists. The Greek word that's used here actually gives the impression that Paul is being stretched. He's being stretched forward, pulled, so that his back is, is completely exposed, so that the Roman flagrum would literally rip into his skin and create unbelievable pain, and then his body would be immediately ripped apart. You know, Paul is used to beatings. He he could have let this continue. Recall that Paul had already resolved, and we read this a few chapters back, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And and Paul doesn't say this lightly. He says later that he has been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer he that lives, but Christ that lives in him. Paul was prepared to die. But Paul had an opportunity here, and he tells the Roman guard, that he's a a Roman citizen. Now, the Valerian and Porcian laws, I looked this up, the Roman laws were passed between the 6th century and the 1st century BC, and these laws specifically exempted Roman citizens from degrading and shameful forms of punishment. And that includes whipping, scourging, or crucifixion. It also established a number of rights for Roman citizens. You know, Rome established uh, so many ideas that are carried on today. Some of the first times that we see some of these, um, these laws for citizens, we, we look back to Rome and it's going back 2,500 years. They wrote them down on 12 plates, the Romans did, of, of bronze. They became known as the 12 tables. You can look it up, 12 tables, the Roman law, included the right of Roman citizens to vote, that's called suffrage, the right to own property, to a trial before a judge, including the right to appeal that outcome to a higher court. And included suffrage, property, legal rights, also the first indication that the law that stated that a person was considered innocent until proven guilty. In Latin, what it says says is the proof lies on him who asserts, not on him who denies. So again, the burden of proof had been shifted in Roman law to the accuser, not the defendant. Paul is a Roman citizen, and when he's arrested and then stretched out and ready to get flogged, He states his rights as a Roman citizen. Verse 25 says, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful? Is it lawful for you to discourage a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And Paul knew the answer. This was a rhetorical question. Paul is telling him that he's a Roman citizen. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do, for this man is Roman. You know, we can understand what Paul is doing. I mean, this man is a Roman citizen. The Bible doesn't give us any details of why he's a Roman citizen other than he was born that way but we as american citizens certainly understand the the rights that a citizen has you know even outside of this country i've traveled internationally both both for work as well as for recreation and traveled for a number of years overseas both in in latin america as well as europe and even if america didn't have the legal jurisdiction in mexico or argentina or brazil or italy or france or germany or anywhere i would have been the first to to uh, exclaim but I'm I am an American citizen, if it would get me out of trouble, if it saved me from any kind of punishment, in this case, and Paul is going to be flogged. Now, there's another possible reason that Paul happens to tell the soldier that he's a Roman citizen. Now, the first case was that Paul's not a martyr. If he can possibly get out of this and, and save his life and be able to preach again, he's going to do it. But, but however, by saying a Roman citizen, um, it's also, it's also possible that what he's doing is he's saving the life, actually, of the soldier and possibly the commander. If the commander had done that, if the commander had actually flogged Paul, he could have paid with it, for it with his life. By Paul saying, I'm a Roman citizen, in effect, he saved the man's life. And we know this because in verse 26 it says, Then the centurion, that is the leader of the hundred men, heard that he was a Roman citizen. Uh, He went and said, uh, Take care what you do, for this man is is Roman. Just by saying, I'm a Roman citizen, this is is changing the balance of power here. The scriptures have then an interesting dialogue between the Roman commander and Paul. Let's continue. Verse 27 it says, Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, "Yes." The commander answered with a large sum. I obtained the citizen, and Paul said, "But I was born a citizen." You know, the commander is saying, "You know, I, I bought my Roman citizen. It, it means citizenship. It means a lot to me." And you realize what he almost did. He almost flogged a Roman citizen, and it would have cost him his life possibly. Paul quietly says, "I was freeborn. I was born a citizen." You know, this is very revealing to the Roman soldier. He's starting to understand who Paul truly is. He's not this crazy Egyptian rebel, this madman, this instigator. This is a learned man, a free man of Rome that speaks three languages. The Roman centurion and the Roman commander by, by, by uh, compared to Paul are second-class citizens. He They purchased their Roman citizenship. Uh, he was going to... To, to flog a freeborn citizen of Rome. That's bad news. It was, would not be a good day had that happened. And this is not just speculation, for the scripture continues, verse 29 says, then immediately those who were about to examine him, meaning scourge him, withdrew. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Did you notice the word was immediate? (laughs) Immediately, it says, the commander, the one with the 500 troops, the one in command of all the soldiers that had the swords and the spears, that commander immediately withdrew. He was afraid. Why? Because he found out that Paul was a Roman and they had arrested him. They had bound him and they were close to flogging him as well. So let's close with the final verse of chapter 22. Chapter chapter 22 verse 30 says the next day because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priest and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them so the scripture lesson today actually teaches us a lot first there's Paul's desire to be a witness to be able to preach the gospel Paul gave his testimony. I know I've said it before, but it's a great way to understand the power of a testimony. I was just like you until I had this encounter with Jesus. Jesus met me and my life was changed, dramatically changed. Now secondly, often in a situation when you have an opportunity to witness to G for Jesus, your desire for self-preservation kicks in. We don't want people to think less of us. We don't want people to to laugh at us. We want to be accepted. We don't want to be the outcast. We don't want to be the Jesus freak freak in the the room. But what was Paul's attitude? Paul didn't worry about self-preservation, about his ego or his popularity. Not at all. Paul saw that he had an opportunity to witness to as many as 10,000 people. And even if 9,500 people wanted to stone him, if he could reach the other 500, he could reach just a few with the words of Jesus that was worth it to Paul. The third lesson for today is, is don't be a martyr. Paul knew that as a Roman citizen, he had some rights and he was willing to play that trump card and he played it often. This isn't the first time he plays that card and it won't be the last. You know, we can use the tools that we have in order to not only be a more effective witness for Jesus, but also to live to preach another day. You know, there's no reason to unnecessarily call attention to yourself or to be provocative. But at the same time, the Bible says we are to be light. We are to be salt. That's found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its savor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be cast underfoot. Then Jesus continues. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel. and set Instead, they sit it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the, in the house. Be that light. Tell somebody about Jesus. Give them your testimony. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you today for this message from the 22nd chapter of the book of Acts. We thank you, Lord, for the time. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.